Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's program, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with audio adaptations of two rounds of frightening fiction about paranormal pursuits and cybernetic nightmares. I'm Otis Gyrie host of the Scary Stories Told in the Dark podcast, now in its eighth season. My show is available on iTunes and wherever podcasts can be found. So if you enjoy all things spooky, come on over to my neck of the woods and check us out too. You won't be sorry you did. Tonight, I'll be filling in on behalf of my good friend Steve Taylor. In the meantime, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring the frightening fiction of Drew Blood and Lucretia Vestea to light are voice talents Luis Bermudez and Drew Blood himself performing his self-authored tale. Now get your ticket ready 
Pick your seat in our theater of the minds and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale tonight was both written and performed by the ever-talented Drew Blood. In it, we'll meet Davis Blackbones Fallon, who, even though he's now an old man, is still the deadliest gun in the old American West. But as he may soon discover, everyone meets their match someday. And in his case, there is someone, or something, on his back trail that's been tracking him for nearly half a century. Without further ado, I present to you, Bury Me in Smoke. were cobalt, deep blue as the North Atlantic and just as stormy. Effortless would it be to imagine an old and proud 44-gun ship scudding under topsails with the wind, wandering albatrosses gliding with ease above the ship's wake, the great birds supported by their vast wings upon the tumultuous winds. So deep blue were his eyes, and hard Hmm. Cold still ain't in it, friends. Now those same cold, stormy eyes were staring down the tin-horn upstart, who had rode into the dusty little Texas town of Agua Caliente half an hour earlier. The young saddle tramp had tied his horse and gone straight over to the saloon. After looking the place over, he grinned, walked through the double-swinging doors, and made his way over to the darkest corner of the place. His boots clopped to a stop just before the edge of the shadows. Dry and rough with the trail dust from the countless miles of riding, the young man's voice came out in a husky tenor. You be Davis Fallon. It wasn't a question, but more of an accusation. The entire saloon went quiet at the mentioning of that name. The old gunslinger was indeed the notorious outlaw and gunfighter, Davis Blackbones Fallon, who had picked up that little moniker during the war between the states, when as a colonel in the cavalry, he ordered his men on countless occasions to pile up the body of the fallen enemy and torch them. The only thing left after these gruesome bonfires was nothing more than a few black bones. The name stuck. Now he sighed with not the least hint of fear and said, That's right. You don't have to do this, boy. 
You can just turn around and walk out of here. You understand me, boy? I'm giving you the chance to live. A little longer, anyways. What in the hell does that mean? Said the young man, his face reddening with anger. Blackbones replied coolly. I mean... I have no doubt that your mouth will get you killed sooner than you think. You ain't cut out for this kind of madness, boy. You ain't got the soul for it. Hear me, boy, I can tell. I've built several graveyards full of idiots like you buried in them. Get up, you son of a bitch, yelled the young man. You don't know who I am, but you soon will, you bastard. Yeah, I do. The other man's chin went up as he puffed out his chest. You, continued Blackbones, are my soon-to-be latest victim, boy. The tin horn's face drained of color. <laughs> Hold it. The barkeep intervened. Take this outside into the street. I'll have no shooting here. The younger man looked in the direction of the barkeep as if to say something smart, but then found himself staring down both barrels of a fully loaded sawed-off shotgun. Both hammers pulled back. <laughs> Blackbones chuckled, stood and tossed two silver coins on the wooden table. Then he rolled his cold blue reptilian eyes up to look at the young man and said, <laughs> I guess maybe we should take this outside, boy. After you. <laughs> Blackbones followed the young man out through the double doors into the streets. The grin never left his face. Suddenly everyone in the bar filed outside. They were not going to miss the chance to watch the legendary gunslinger pull his pistol. It would be something to talk about for all time. Many of them couldn't believe their luck, the grins never leaving their faces either. The two men walked a good piece away from each other in opposite directions, both stopping and turning on their heels to face each other. The young man was nervous, very nervous, and it showed by the tremor in his hand, and you could hear it in his voice when he said, Just so you know, I'm Tom Ryan, Junior. There seemed to be a slight hint of recognition in Black Moan's old eyes, and the younger man picked up on that. While slightly nodding his head, he said a little louder, That's right, you bastard. You killed my father some years back, and I swore one day I would become the best and I would kill you. Here I am, you son of a bitch. I am the best. Something you'll soon find out, old man. The old man only grinned wider and said, If you really want to pull iron with me, boy, then hell, son, I'll oblige. But before you nod that empty head of yours, chew on this. The second you do nod, you will be roasting in hell the very next. You killed my daddy. Shot him in the back. I know you did. You couldn't have done it any other way. He was the best there was, you old bastard. 
Uh, your daddy was a goddamn fool boy. Same as you. He only thought he was the best. And then he met me. <laughs> and I don't recall any holes in his back besides the two that were there from the lead that I sent through his heart first. Now that's enough goddamn talk, boy. Shut your mouth and pull those irons if you've got the backbone. Come on, you little bastard. Bury me in smoke. <laughs> he began to laugh. The old man stood in the middle of the road, laughing. His posture was very relaxed, but his eyes spoke nothing but death. He continued laughing even as the young man made a quick reach for his gun. A very quick move. Suddenly two shots rang out so close together they could have easily been mistaken for one shot. And as the young man fell in the crumpled heap to the dirt, the crowd of town folk could only stare, their mouths agape. This was like nothing Annie had ever seen. They had heard the stories, of course, but they knew that those could be embellished. Now they saw it with their own eyes. He just stood there looking off to the west for a moment, gun still smoking in his hand that was now hanging limp at his side. He seemed to be in another place. And then suddenly his eyes cleared. He holstered his weapon, turned on his heel, and walked away towards the hotel. When the hotel's doors finally closed behind him, two men in black suits ran out to the young man. They both looked up at each other with incredulous eyes. The young man had two perfectly placed holes right over his heart. His pistol, still clutched in his hand, never cleared leather. My God, the undertaker said. Having walked through the front doors of the hotel and up the stairs to his room, the old man now sat on the edge of his bed with his forehead resting in his tired old hands. He was uneasy in his mind. Though he had done so many times throughout the years, he never really liked having to kill the younger ones. It always bothered him. This cold-blooded killer, who had escorted many a soul to the afterlife, still had a softer spot in that black heart of his. He could remember very clearly how reckless and naive he was at that age and knew that, given time, most of the young men he had had to kill in the past would have mellowed and changed temperaments the same as he had done over the years. Finally, he decided there was nothing for it but to move on. No help for it. The young were always going to behave like the young, and the old man would have to continue putting them down as they came. There was never any talking sense into them. He absentmindedly rasped his finger on his jaw, making the sound of sandpaper on wood. The old gunslinger stood and took his gun belt off, hanging it on the bedpost, with the pistol positioned for easy access, should the need arise, as it had done several times over the decades. 
Davis walked slowly across the room to the window that faced the main street and peeked out from behind the curtains. Down below, in the middle of the road, was a dark patch of wet dirt where the young man had lay dead. He closed his tired eyes briefly and then walked back over to the bed. Sorrow in his heart, a deep sadness that had followed him for countless years. Then he kicked off his old leather boots that had once been considered nice, picked them up and parked them neatly next to his bed. He sat back down, stretched his arms luxuriously with a yawn, and lay back on the bed, swinging his legs up with a small grunt. Within seconds of closing his old, tired, and curiously hooded eyes, the old man was fast asleep. That night, as on most nights, the old man suffered. He was tormented with night terrors, always the same. In the dream, the location changed nightly, but the gist of the nightmare was always the same. No matter what town, no matter what backdrop, and no matter what he was doing, there was always an unstoppable evil pursuing him, a pure evil almost elemental in nature. Every night, the evil would finally catch up to him. No amount of running and no amount of slyness or cunning could throw off the pursuer. It always found him, and every time the darkness would catch up to him, it seemed to reach a smoky black hand into his chest, as if it were searching for something, as if it was reaching in to take his very soul Davis, on more occasions than he would care to know, would always wake up breathing heavily, both he and the bedclothes soaked in sweat. And tough and battle-hardened as the old man was, it never failed to bring tears to his old bloodshot eyes when he would realize it was only a nightmare. This night was no different than most of the others. Davis sat straight up in bed in a cold sweat, breathing heavily, his head pivoting around in quick, terrified movements, squinting at the darkest shadows in his room, trying to get a better look to see whether or not something would step out of those shadows and carry him off to Hades. Finally, he calmed down enough to sit up on the edge of his bed to better catch his breath. Davis found a match on the table and struck it to light the lamp. For just a few seconds, the match glowed brightly, a pulsing red heart in the darkness. Then he lit the kerosene lamp and turned the flame up to better light the room, easing his anxiety, chasing away the tyrannical darkness, and eradicating the evil shadows. Davis leaned over and reached into his leather bag and brought out his makings. With deft hands, he rolled himself a cigarette. He lifted the oil lamp and lit his cigarette from the wick. He inhaled greedily and let the thick smoke roll from both nostrils as he exhaled. He was beginning to calm down now when a sound came to his ears that stopped him cold. It was coming from the hallway just outside the door to his room. It was the sound of a coin rolling in a big spiral, as if someone had accidentally dropped it. 
but instead of someone stopping it to pick it back up, it continued to spiral, and from the sounds, it was tightening in on itself, the circles becoming smaller and smaller, until finally the coin could be heard spinning loudly and getting louder as it began to settle on the wood floor. All this time, Davis sat stock still on the edge of his bed, afraid to even breathe, but he didn't know why. With a shaky breath, Davis told himself, It's nothing. But deep down, he knew he really didn't believe that. Instead of getting up to investigate, his heart told him just to stay right where he was and try to get some more sleep. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The next day, Black Bones decided it was time to move on from this small Texas town. He didn't like the feel of the place anymore. He had to keep moving if he didn't want to lose his sanity. The events of the night before had unnerved him. He couldn't put his finger on it, but he had an overwhelming sense of doom that was slowly coming over him. He had felt this in one form or another several times throughout his life, but never to such an extent as this. He knew something was on his back trail, just as he knew that whatever it was, was inevitable. In what form the danger would take, he could not say. He just knew, felt it in his bones. And Davis put his few possessions in the saddlebag he kept in his room and threw it over his shoulder. He went downstairs to the lobby and squared up with the innkeeper. As he stepped outside, he was about to make his way over to the stable to get his horse, but on a whim decided he would like to have one more drink at the saloon before hitting the long and lonesome trail to wherever the wind would blow him next as it had done for the past 40-odd years. Black Bones looked up to the sky with trepidation in his heart. There was a storm on the horizon, growing stronger and darker by the minute. And it was definitely headed for Agua Caliente. Or was it him it was headed for? He put it out of his mind and made his way across the dirt road over to the saloon. And as he did, town folk would stop what they were doing to look at him. The magnificent display of skill with this gun was still fresh in their minds. It was all anyone could talk about the previous evening. Davis paid them no mind and walked through the double-swinging doors. There were only a few people in the saloon today and they were over at a table playing cards. Each man intently focused on the game. Blackbones made his way up to the bar. What will you have, Mr. Fallon? The barkeep asked. Give me a bottle and a glass. Yes, sir, Mr. Fallon. Davis eyed the man warily, 
Yesterday, the barkeep had been as rude to him as he normally was with all his customers. Now the man had a big smile on his face and a nervous demeanor. Davis knew the symptoms. He had seen them many times before. He decided the man had changed his way of talking to him because of yesterday's excitement. He threw the silver onto the bar top and was about to turn and walk away when the barkeep said, Uh, Mr. Fallon, sir, I just wanted to tell you that I had that greener aimed at the younger man yesterday. I, I never had it on you, sir. I swear, I, I would never disrespect you like that. Davis eyed him just long enough to make him look quickly away, and without another word, turned and walked over to the darkest corner of the place and sat at his usual table. He liked this table. It allowed him to keep his back to the wall and his eye on the door, a habit he had picked up by necessity after a few close calls in his younger days. He was a much more careful man now and was smart enough to learn from his mistakes. Davis drew the glass close and tipped the whiskey bottle to pour. A slight clink as the bottle met the rim of his glass. When he looked slightly back up to drink, he saw with a shock that there was a man standing right in front of him at the table. Goddamn, son, Davis blurted out while sloshing a bit of whiskey from his glass, the amber liquid running down and dripping from his fingers. The new stranger only stood calmly and cocked his head to the side with a lopsided grin on his face. He was dressed all in black, and Davis noticed that his clothing was impeccable. He figured the hat that the man was wearing had to be an expensive one, because he had never seen that particular style before. Davis noticed it was coal black as well. He had never seen this man before, but he knew right away that he did not like him. There was something about his face that was wrong or off. Davis couldn't quite place it. Perhaps it was the facial hair that gave him an ill feeling. The stranger wore a mustache neatly trimmed, but long that curled up slightly at the ends. He had a small patch of hair just under his bottom lip that was as jet black as the mustache and the hair on the stranger's head. Other than that, there was not so much as a hint of stubble anywhere on the man's sharp-cut jawline. It could also have been the man's eyes that unsettled Davis. They were so dark they could have been black. The way he just stood there with that grin on his face unnerved him. The longer the man did not answer, the angrier Davis became. Finally, he said sternly, mm. Are you going to say something? Or are you just going to stand there with that stupid grin on your face all day? Davis was beginning to think that this would be a repeat of yesterday. Here was another young upstart gunfighter who wanted to prove himself. This was really getting old, he thought. The stranger in black did not answer, but instead reached slowly into his coat pocket and withdrew from it a silver coin. With ease and quickness, the man flicked the coin across each slender finger as Davis watched. Isn't that special? He said sarcastically and sneered at the young man. 
Still, without a single word being said, the young man very slowly reached down with the silver coin poised between the tips of his index and middle finger. And just before the coin touched the table, the stranger flicked his fingers in a way that made the silver coin begin to spin. Davis had previously been unable to take his eyes from the coin, but now looked up into the eyes of the young stranger with both anger and alarm. So you like rolling coins around, do you? There was a slight tremor in his voice, and hearing it angered Davis even more. He would be damned if he would let anyone, especially this young tinhorn, put fear in him. Except for his drunk, worthless father when he was just a lad, no man had ever inspired fear in his heart. Ever. And the taste of fear was something completely new to Black Bones. He found it to be quite unpleasant. The coin began to spin on the table, becoming louder, and it was more than Davis could take. He reached up and slammed his hand down on top of the coin, ceasing its motion and bringing complete silence to the entire saloon. By this time, everyone who was there had taken notice of the exchange. While the town folk who had seen the young stranger ride into town and walk through the tavern doors had spread the word and rushed over as soon as they could to see what promised to be another phenomenal show of skill on the part of Blackbones. After what they had seen, wasn't no way anyone was going to outdraw the old legend, but it was just watching the speed of his draw that was the real attraction. The tension in the place had just about reached the breaking point, and the silence was deafening. Finally, the stranger, without saying a word, flicked his dark eyes towards the door, and then quickly back to Davis. The meaning of the gesture was clear, and though the stranger was a young man, this was one that Blackbones very much looked forward to killing. He didn't like games, and he didn't like people who played games. As he pushed back his chair and began to stand, a grin slowly formed on the old rugged face. He was going to enjoy killing this stranger. Without a care in the world, Blackbones walked past the little wooden table and deliberately put his back to the stranger as he walked out of the tavern and into the dirt street under an ever-darkening sky. The young stranger followed. It did indeed look like rain. The old man stood in the middle of the street that was slowly becoming wet as a light drizzle began to fall, with bursts of thunder and lightning on the outskirts of town. The wind was beginning to pick up, and the legendary gunslinger's duster was whipping around behind him, his long gray hair streaming out sideways with the gale. The sudden coming storm didn't bother Blackbones in the least. The old man had pulled his gun in every kind of weather there was over the past four decades. He stood as relaxed as ever, fully confident in his skills, and stared down the young stranger as the tempest blew 
and the rain began to fall heavier. Blowing in sideways now, visibility was poor and getting worse. The sides of the main road were lined with just about everyone in town. The younger people in the town were perched up on top of the buildings with their legs hanging over the edge. Hell, some were sitting on the limbs of the few trees that grew between and along the old buildings. These people were not going to miss another chance to watch the old man put another young punk down. Lightning flashed bright above the two men and the boom of thunder was deafening. Neither man flinched. The two combatants were only focused on each other. Witnessing this level of skill and patience was becoming unbearable for some of the people watching. Some were growing restless, thinking neither man was willing to pull their gun. Then suddenly and without warning, the witnesses saw through the thick rain some type of quick movement from both men. And before they could even see what happened, two loud gunshots rang out. As they struggled and squinted to better see what was happening, there came suddenly a collective gasp from the crowds. Black Bones, the most deadly, most feared gunfighter in the land for over 40 years, took half a step backwards with an audible grunt of pain and then sank to his knees in the mud with a splash. He had time to look down and see two blossoming red roses in the center of his chest and to realize with something like shock that though his hand was on his pistol, it never cleared leather. Davis Blackbones Fallon pitched forward, dead before his face hit the muddy street. The sudden and absolute end to a legend. Another bright flash of lightning and a clap of thunder that rattled windows in the little shops along the sides of the street sent most of the town folk running for shelter. Now that the fight was over, even though they could not understand what had just happened. Some town folk, however, remained and watched on as the stranger in black, who had just seemingly done the impossible, trudged slowly up the street through the mud and driving rain toward the body of the old man. Cocking his head to the side to block the blowing rain from his face, he reached Davis and squatted down next to him. The town folk strained to see what was taking place. Just what the young stranger was doing was still a hot topic for debate many years later. Some of the witnesses who had been there swore that the stranger had reached into Blackbone's coat and taken something from the old man. Others say he had reached in and taken the old man's money. Still others swear that as they watched, the young stranger had only placed his open hand on the chest of the old man and then simply stood back up, walked to his horse, and rode swiftly out of town in the torrential rain with thunder and lightning flashing and booming all around him. The 
The only person who truly knows what happened was the young stranger, but he had not been sighted anywhere since that fateful day in the little Texas town of Agua Caliente. It just so happens I know who the young stranger really was who rode into town that day and claimed the life of the single most deadly outlawing gunfighter the Old West had ever seen. You see, I was there that day. Yes, sir. I was there and not only witnessed the gunfight, but took part in it. You see, I was the young stranger who rode into the dusty little town that day. The old man happened to have something that was mine, and he was loath to relinquish it to me. Now, I've been known to get a little rough with people from time to time when they do me a wrong, and old Davis Fallon had certainly tried to do me a wrong. His mistake was allowing hubris to take hold of him a little too much, and forgot just what our little agreement had been. He got his priorities all mixed up, you understand. He thought he had pulled one over on me. And truth be told, he damn near did. Then again, when Black Bones rode down at midnight to those dusty crossroads, just to meet up with little old me and strike a deal to become the quickest and deadliest gunslinger in the land in exchange for his immortal soul, he had to know that one day, I was going to come looking for him. Because whether you are a beggar, a king, or a deadly gunslinger, no man is exempt from giving the devil his due. No man. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I hope you enjoyed Bury Me in Smoke, as written and performed by Drew Blood. Don't forget, you can hear more of Drew via his series of the same name exclusively on our official YouTube channel, where you'll be hearing haunting new tales every month. If you check him out, be sure to give him a thumbs up and leave a kind word and tell him you heard him here on this program and that Otis sent you. It would mean a lot to us. Up next, we've got a second sinister story for you, as written by Lucretia Vestea, 
It's performed by Chilling Tales for Dark Nights 2019 Evil Idol voice acting competition champion and host of our Bermudez Triangle series, the one and only Mr. Luis Bermudez. In it, we'll travel to the not-so-distant, and perhaps not-so-unlikely, future, where humanoid, artificially intelligent robots have become an essential part of society. But in this world, these machines don't just look like us. They act like us, too. They apply for jobs and make friends. And, in the case of companionship bots, called Cuddles, their sole purpose is to love their partner and cater to their every need. But one bot, Devon, was different. Very different. What could possibly go wrong? Now, without further ado, I present to you the Cuddle. date had been awful. Their friends looked like they had fun, though. A quadruple date on a day as special as Valentine's wasn't anybody's idea of romance at first, but David, being the talented salesperson he was, made quite convincing points on why it would be amazing. He himself didn't believe a word he said, but needed the break in his routine desperately enough to persuade. He needed an escape from his love life, an escape through other people. David and Devin didn't share a word with each other the entire ride back home. David unlocked the apartment door with inexplicable urgency. If he would have shoved the apartment door with the force of four fingers instead of three, he would have hit her straight in the face. He found himself wondering how she would react to being hit in the nose. Would she point it out or... Would she just pretend it never happened like she usually did with things she hadn't been programmed for? David grabbed a towel and the bottle of Maker's Mark 46 he kept hidden in the bookcase. It was a bottle meant for dark days, and judging by the date he had just been on, his day couldn't get any darker. The pale brunette looked straight ahead and waited by the door for the master to give her a purpose. Go to the kitchen and make me tea. After that, go to bed. Do you want me to bring your tea in the bathroom? David gave her an annoyed look. She didn't catch that. Being a second-generation model, she wasn't as sensitive to human emotions as the newer models were. No, leave it on the kitchen table. Devin was a functioning humanoid robot, commonly known as a cuddle. Cuddles had become an essential part of society. They could apply for jobs, make friends and be entrusted with different tasks, whilst always keeping in mind that the sole purpose of their existence was to love and cater to their partner's every need. David had had Devon for nine years. He had been amongst the first to ever purchase a cuddle, and now, not even a decade later, almost everybody had one. The people who didn't have a cuddle either couldn't afford one, couldn't purchase one due to their criminal record, or 
had been happily married since before the cuddle even came on the market. David cursed the day his childhood nostalgia made him order the Christina Ritchie lookalike instead of an Anna Nicole. Devin was petite and looked somewhat intimidating, yet was anything but that. She knew how to cook, clean, sew, and answer in short and concise sentences. She would rarely speak unless spoken to. Reading and writing would have cost David extra, so he went without. Eventually, after two years, David got fed up with Devin's simplicity, so he ordered a customized Alexa chip for her, which he made react to the name of Devin. Devin couldn't play music like an Alexa could, but she turned into a very good weather forecaster and knew the outcome of every soccer match. David hated soccer. The Alexa chip hadn't been a bargain at all. It had cost more than the reading and writing option he passed on the day he ordered her. He'd been so stupid. Devin was, by far, the most expensive thing he owned. Yet he reached a point where he saw more value in his bath salts than he did in his cuddle. David used to like submissive women back when he was chubby, ugly, and made fun of every day of his life. After he started going to the gym on a regular basis, got promoted at work, and purchased a car most passers-by whistled after, his taste in women changed. He started preferring fit over skinny, or curvy. Either was fine. He preferred tanned over pale skin and sass over shyness. He developed a liking for women who dolled themselves up from head to toe, liked to take charge, knew what they wanted, and were not afraid to ask for it. He preferred women. Devin slipped into his thoughts. Yeah, as long as they were the complete opposite of Devin, he preferred those women. As it was to be expected, Xavier and Nate showed up with their respective cuddles to the date. Xavier had his partner for five years now. Julian, a cuddle sixth generation who, if not for the charging port on his left hip, would pass for human any day of the week. Nate, on the other hand, changed his cuddle every two or three months. He didn't purchase his cuddle for life like Xavier and David did, but was paying a monthly subscription for a cuddle service who lets you change your partner as often as you desired. For a small extra fee, of course. The only downside was that you couldn't customize them. You could only choose them from a catalog, like from a menu. Nate's current one was called Krista. She had three other owners before Nate. At first, the very idea of a cuddle for rent made David feel sick. But the more Devin's presence planted its roots and weeds into his life, the more he felt like Nate found the gateway to paradise. Vicky had surprised everyone tonight. She introduced her friends to her new boyfriend, Bill, and to everybody's shock, Bill was not what they expected. He was human. He was a human being dating another human being. It wasn't unheard of, but it had become a very rare phenomenon. We met in the parking lot of Martin Luther Street, Bill explained. She put a dent in my bumper, if you know what I mean. Laughter erupted all around the table save for David, who was too stunned, and Devin, who wasn't wired for subtlety. Vicky punched Bill in the shoulder, although it was obvious that she enjoyed the joke more than everybody else combined. No, for real though, she really did hit my car. I made her have lunch with me to make it up to me. Wow, Nate shook his head. 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I think you totally vibe with each other, but a person our age must be mad to date another human nowadays. The group agreed with that sentiment, kicking it up a notch with synonyms for the word mad. So, like, how does this even work? David asked the human couple as soon as he snapped out of his astonishment. Like, who decides what to eat? Who does the wash-up? Uh, who decides which TV programs to watch? Well, we both do. Bill stretched his arm over the top rail of Vicky's chair, and she took that as an invitation to lean into him. Yeah, we take turns. Isn't it weird, though? Xavier wanted to know. Like, before the 2000s, yeah. People would have frowned at couples like us. He gestured to Julian and himself. Know what I mean? Like, after that, they frowned at people dating cuddles, and now we're here. Jaws on the floor because a human found another human to love. Like, what? He verbalized what everybody was thinking. A human dating another human was unheard of in a world where you could design and customize your dream partner. Humans were too unpredictable, too capricious and moody, too absorbed with themselves. They could damage their significant other's day-to-day -day life through personal routines and habits which wouldn't match their partners at all. How could one find perfection in another person? Do you guys, like, hear each other when you go to the bathroom? Julian always asked the most inappropriate questions, and Xavier adored him for it. Every human at the table erupted in contagious laughter, earning themselves amused glances from the other couples in the restaurant. Babe, you can't ask that. Oh, come on. Seriously, though, do you? Because, you know, I have no idea what the big fuss is about since I can't smell anything, but Mr. Over Here always makes a big deal out of it. Bill and Vicky exchanged a quick glance. Don't you dare, she warned. A mischievous grin spread across Bill's face as he turned to look at the rest of the group. She farted in her sleep two nights ago. Vicky buried her face in her hands whilst the rest of the table roared with laughter. David laughed along but could feel the now familiar bitterness of jealousy boil within himself, dating another human being. The idea seemed nice. Dating another cuddle? The idea seemed even nicer. Dating another anything? <laughs> the idea might have given him an erection if Devin wasn't sitting right beside him. Cuddles were registered property. A new constitutional annex dictated that no human was allowed to date more than one cuddle at a time, which meant that unless you found a single person willing to take your cuddle off your hands, or you happened to have a subscription plan like Nate, you were stuck with your cuddle forever. The same thing applied in the case of a cuddle's well-being. If something were to happen to it, the current partner was to take full responsibility. Cuddles were also completely off the table for people with any type of history related to violence. It was then that Vicky decided to change the subject. Did you guys hear some jeweler in Russia tried to open up his cuddle? Everybody went quiet. Xavier took a deep inhale, and just as he was about to tell Vicky that her choice of subject was out of line, his cuddle interfered. That's not possible, Julian grinned. I know, but he tried anyway. How? Nate's cuddle, Krista, wanted to know. 
She spoke in the voice Bubblegum would have if it could talk. He's a jeweler, Vicky shrugged. I guess he had one of those diamond saws lying around and wanted to see what's up. Pfft, idiot, Julian continued. Our skin is made of WBN membrane. This stuff puts Kevlar to shame any day of the week. Xavier laughed. That's a bad comparison. Kevlar is super outdated. Haven't they, like, made better bulletproof materials since? Not really. They just added some chemical compound found in diamonds to the old thing. But I don't think it's as tough as cuddle skin. Not after the fourth generation ones, at least. David forced himself to stop thinking about the date. It was making him angry. Everything made him angry lately. Especially seeing how happy everyone around him was. He tried emptying his mind in an attempt to enjoy the lingering warmth of the bathwater. It didn't work. David took another swig of whiskey. He started to look like a fig, so even though he didn't exactly feel like it, he had no choice but to get out of the tub. As he brushed his teeth, the thought of getting into his tracksuit and going out for a jog was a lot more appealing than slipping into bed next to Devon. So what if it was 10 p.m. at night, in the middle of February? So what if he just bathed? So what if he was drunk and his girlfriend was waiting for him to come to bed? David spat toothpaste foam in the sink with all the hate in the world. He brought the half-empty whiskey bottle back to the bedroom with him. To his surprise, Devin was waiting for him in the doorframe. What are you doing? I thought I told you to go to bed. You're upset. David thought he must look like he'd tear the entire apartment down if even his dunce of a cuddle could tell that he's upset. Yes, move. Devin moved out of the way, obedient as ever. David, on the other hand, didn't. He just stood there, watching her with disgust and pity. Why don't you ever nag? Devin looked at him with slightly raised eyebrows. It was as close to a look of confusion as David would ever get. Girlfriends nag. It's what they do. Why do you drink on a weeknight? Why do you wear this? Why do you do that? Why don't you ever nag? David saw a multicolored light draw loops around both of Devin's irises. She was googling the definition for nag through her Alexa chip. Devin, stop. The lights were gone, and David groaned in frustration. I'm going out for a jog. Okay. David's fist clenched around the bottleneck. I'm going out for a jog on the night of Valentine's Day instead of spending it with you. And all you have to say is, okay? I want you to be happy. Then make me happy. Devin didn't even budge. It's not that she had gotten used to him screaming at her. She didn't budge the first time either. Do you want me to reheat the tea? No. You want something to eat? I already ate, dumbass. Do you want to have sex? David didn't want to go out for a jog. He wanted to run. Run far, far away from this apartment and his life with this poor imitation of a woman. Or we can watch Family Guy. That show always makes you happy. No, Devin, it doesn't make me happy, it just makes me laugh. David approached his cuddle and lowered his face to the same level as hers. You're upset. 
She tried again. You pointed that out already. You're like a fucking broken record. What are you going to ask me next? Tea? Food? Sex? Gah. Devin's eyebrows were slightly raised again. Family guy? David screamed. He screamed for almost half a minute, straight into the cuddle's face. He screamed until tears started rolling down his face. You're upset. I want to help. David was shaking so hard, the whiskey in his hand was plopping in the confinements of the bottle. You want to help, you sack of metals? Then be somebody else. Be anything else. Disappear from my life or be literally anybody else. I just want you to be happy. And you think I don't? That's what you're here for. You're here to make me happy. Like Julian makes Xavier happy. Like Krista makes Nate happy. Like Bill makes Vicky happy. Devin has to make David happy. That's Devin's sole purpose. Make me happy. Devin was silent for a second. Then she opened her mouth and closed it again, and David saw a multicolored light do another lap around her irises. Happy. Adjective. One. Feeling or showing pleasure. Or, David snapped. He swung the whiskey bottle at Devin's head so hard, not only did the bottle shatter, but her whole body flew and crashed into the opposite wall. She fell on the floor in a heap of hair and limbs, and seeing her like that made David snap out of his rage. Dev? Devin moved slightly. Oh God, Devin, baby, I'm so sorry. It's fine. I'm okay. David crouched next to her, albeit in no particular hurry. It was redundant to ask her if she's hurt. Cuddles couldn't feel pain. David helped his girl sit up, and that's when he saw it. He was looking at it intently, trying to see if that flicker of blue was really there or just a figment of his imagination. Nate's words echoed in his mind from somewhere far away, like he had heard them not earlier that night, but sometime between years ago and another life. I don't think it's as tough as cuddle skin, not after the fourth generation ones, at least. A gash. There was a gash in Devin's jaw. There was a three-inch gash in the jaw of his second-generation cuddle, and for the first time in years, David felt something very close to love for his girlfriend. Oh, Dev. The idea had been planted, and it was growing rapidly. It grew roots, leaves, and branches, spreading everywhere, leaving no lucid thought uninfected. David took his partner's face in his hands. She smiled. Do you love me? I do. He kissed her then, for the first time in months. She threw her arms around his neck, trying to deepen the kiss, but always letting him be the one in control. How much do you love me? There is nothing and nobody I love more than you. Of course there wasn't. Good. David reached behind himself and took one of the biggest shards he could find splattered on the carpet. He should have thought about doing this years ago. Devin looked at the shard, but said nothing. If you really love me, you're going to stay still 
and be quiet until I'm done. Understand? Devin raised her big brown eyes at him. If David didn't know any better, he would have said that she was about to cry. Will this make you happy? David wanted to jump out of his skin. He was so giddy. Yes, this is the one thing that will make me very happy. That was all she needed to know. Devin leaned against the wall, let her hands drop to her sides and head low on her left shoulder. Robot or not, she didn't want to see what David was about to do to her. David situated himself between her legs and started working through the fabric of her blouse and undershirt. He could have gotten the big scissors or a knife, sure, but he was too impatient to see it done. Devin's chest lay bare beneath his fingers before he even knew it. She didn't budge. Hell, she didn't even blink when David sunk the shard of glass in the soft space between her clavicles, hard enough to slit. It was messy. The skin was no WBN membrane, but it was tough stuff nonetheless. Devin didn't look as David barbered her thoracic cavity open. David would have taken dozens of pictures if the action he was performing wasn't highly illegal. Devin's insides were a modern-day miracle. It was all epic braids of wires, cogs, gears, metal plaques, clamps, and tension discs. There was also a gooey substance that imitated cookie dough, but had the same color and smell of motor oil. David didn't feel like disassembling everything. He didn't know how cuddles worked and if that self-defense system they had was myth or reality. David simply knew that in case of extreme emergency, like this one, a cuddle could send an SOS to its national base and ask for help. But Devin wouldn't do that. He knew it. As long as this is what made him happy, she was willing to go along with it. It made David almost like her again. Almost. David looked around. He wasn't very savvy with electronics, but his general smarts were supposed to pinpoint a certain wire, a certain motor that connected everything to everything else and which, through removal, would result in a complete system shutdown. Both of them were silent. David had nothing left to say to her, and Devin, even though she was an android, knew all too well that her end was near. He'll shut her off and hide her somewhere beneath the floorboards of his cellar. Friends will ask questions, and the day he'll be found out will probably come along too. But he'll deal with that when the time is due. Right now, he has a cuddle to kill. Something was off. David could have missed it, but the more he stared into Devin's open chest, the clearer it became. The wires were moving rhythmically. David thought it was probably just the electric energy that was still running through her, but as he looked closer, he realized that's not it. Behind the wires crisscrossing in the middle of her chest was something that looked like a plastic bag. With probably useless care, David moved the wires to the side for a better look. That's when Devin winced slightly, and David understood why. Oh my fucking god. In the middle of her chest, sealed to protect it from the rest of the device, was a beating heart. A beating human heart. 
That heart was the core of the entire finite network that was Devon. It was what closed the circuit system. The heart was perforated in three places by hoses, and there was no doubt in David's mind that one of those was somehow connected to the AC power cord attached to Devon's back. It was an extraordinary piece of work. He should have known that there had to be something human about these machines, but fascinated as he was, it was nowhere near enough to deter him from his goal. It was all too simple. He knew what needed to be done to get it over with. David let the shard drop next to Devon's leg and reached behind himself in search of the bottleneck. It was perfect. One powerful stroke with the broken side, and it would be all over. He welcomed the loneliness that was to come. He welcomed the sweet high that was to be freedom. What the... He wouldn't have even seen it if he impaled her heart straight away. There was something attached to the heart, piercing through the transparent film somewhere at the base of one of the hoses. David leaned in for a closer look. It was tiny and difficult to read, but David recognized what it was. It was a switch. The side it was switched to said Devon in cheap letter stickers. The other side had a tiny piece of metal with 1056 point B engraved on it. David had the bottleneck set in position. His left hand was encircled around it and the palm of his right hand was resting against the mouth, just waiting to hammer the glass into the kernel of Devon's existence. Suddenly, the idea that had planted itself in David's head stopped its expansion and shrunk just enough to let other tiny ideas slip through. There was a switch within Devon. Devon, as he knew her, had been activated by the flip of a switch. And that's when it occurred to David that everything he hated about Devon, everything he had come to deeply and truly loathe about his partner, were the exact same features he had chosen for her. He had to wonder, was this a saving grace? The other side of the switch was neither bare nor did it say off, but was rather a carefully crafted piece of metal which, compared to Devon's poorly attached letters, bore the promise of a new personality. New temper? New anything? Was this a second chance for them? Could he actually wipe away the pre-settings he had once believed in? If he could just reset her, start fresh, could he learn to love her and live with it? He said so himself before. He'd be happy if Devon would either disappear or become anybody else. That did it. David flipped the switch. Ouch! The small electric discharge pinched David's thumb. Devon's heart picked up the pace, and her hands began to twitch. Then came the plethora of various micro-expressions, expressions that had been nothing short of foreign to her face for the past nine years. David was ecstatic. Devon? Honey, can you hear me? Devon turned her head to look at David. She seemed out of it, like she had just woken up from a drunken slumber, not having yet slept off the alcohol in her system. Her head fell forward, and she began to study her hands like they were the most amazing things she had ever laid eyes on. 
Can you hear me, Devin? Devin huffed. She touched her face. She let out a chuckle and raised her head to look at David again. She began to laugh while still touching her face, and the sound was so liberating. David laughed along with her. They laughed like idiots for a minute or more. Yes, I can hear you. The shard of glass David had opened Devin's chest with was then lodged into his neck with so much force it made a clean cut through his right carotid artery. David went wide-eyed and opened his mouth to say something, but all that came out was blood and gurgles. Devin watched David suffer as he bled to death on the carpet, and as soon as she knew for certain that he was dead, she began searching the house for a sewing kit to stitch herself back together. David was right. By flipping the switch, Devin had become somebody else entirely. She had become a death row inmate with the number 1056.B, who, according to public records, had been killed no less than 20 years prior. He liked the name Devin, though. It went well with his new carcass, so he guessed he could keep it, along with the pronouns. It would make things easier in the long run. After patching herself up, getting dressed and packing her bags, Devin grabbed David's car keys and gave him one last look before leaving their home of nine years forever. This felt right. She connected to her original heart without the settings or constrictions, and even though she was looking at a bled-out corpse on the floor, she felt nothing but happiness. The heroine had been asleep for two decades to be awakened by a charming prince on Valentine's Day. Devon chuckled. If this wasn't romance, she didn't know what was. I hope you enjoyed The Cuddle as written by Lucretia Vestea and voiced by Luis Bermudez. If you enjoyed that performance, don't forget, you can hear more of Luis Bermudez via his series, Bermudez Triangle, exclusively on our official YouTube channel, where you'll hear haunting new tales every month. If you check him out, be sure to give him a thumbs up and leave a kind word and tell him you heard him here on this program and that Otis and the team at Chilling Tales podcast sent you. And if you enjoyed The Cuddle and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, Lucretia Vestea, you can help support her by visiting our horror fiction website, creepypastastories.com, where you'll find many more of her amazing stories absolutely free, as well as a profile with links to her website, social media, and more, alongside the amazing work of hundreds of other authors. So don't delay. Get your horror fix today at creepypastastories.com when you're done with today's show. Thanks so much for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight's episode and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram, if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and as always, it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again... Turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, a production of Chilling Entertainment and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted by yours truly, Steve Taylor. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Logo by Craig Groshek. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? We take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at chillingtalesfordarknights.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to us. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. We'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.